0: You're listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast. Accelerate your mindset, collaboration and performance by developing limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams and organisations. Now over to your host, Renee Gerusso.
1: Welcome to the Limitless Leaders Podcast. From wherever you're tuning in from, from around the world, I am super excited for today's guest. Today we're going to. I'm going to be interviewing the award-winning Australian organisational psychologist for ASX 20 and Fortune 100 companies globally, Vanessa Vershaw, and she has a relentless belief in human potentials. She's recognised as an elite peak performance coaching psychologist, entrepreneur, and transformation strategist. She is a trusted advisor to executives, key decision makers, ASX. 20 as i mentioned and fortune 100 organisations globally Vanessa's dedicated over two decades to helping leaders reimagine their futures as a potent combination of business psychology design thinking neuroscience and ancient wisdom a visionary born with a fire raging within she empowers leaders to shift their mindsets beyond resilience adaptability and Big-Hearted Ambition, Um, and has also just published an amazing book called Unreasonable Ambition that we're we're going to hone in on today. So welcome, Vanessa.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Renee. Great to be on the show.
1: Yes, absolute pleasure. So so I'd love to hear, um, you know, have, and it's a big question, but you can consolidate it, how you've got
0: to be doing what you're doing today? Oh, that's a, that's a really big question. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I I don't know if you've got a similar story, but I didn't wake up in the morning one day and say, you know, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a leadership coach and transformation <laughs> expert, you know, and not, I didn't even know what it was, to be honest with you, until about two decades ago. Um it's one of those things that was serendipitous and just evolved organically where I'd had a career actually, a couple of careers, trying to be a lawyer, trying to be an artist, journalist with the ABC, finally going back into psychology and then getting the opportunity to work with um, a very famous uh, clinical psychologist who worked with Carl Jung. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, amazing. And... um and then realised that it wasn't for me because I was actually too sensitive. Mm. One thing, what I was going to do, and someone said to me, "You know, people listen to you when you speak. You've got this amazing ability not only to listen and tap in, but you've got this motivating quality, and everyone talks to you about stuff. Have you thought about going into business psychology?" And I and I said, "What? What's that?" Uh-huh. And so. Through a series of different events, I ended up getting into organisational psychology uh, and making that a career of it uh, decades ago. Uh, And that's kind of how it all began. And then there's a whole series of other life circumstances that happened, sliding door moments, I think, Hmm. but never woke up wanting to be this. It just kind of happened.
1: Isn't it isn't it amazing how I always say, you know, how have you become you and how do you continually become the next version? Everything we do leads us to where we are today. And I know when I get asked that question growing up, I think I wanted to be a nun for a week when I broke up with my boyfriend and then lasted <laughs> a week. Um, but I wanted to be a performer, a writer, a journalist, and a teacher. And did all the corporate sales and marketing roles and I'm the same today I'm all those things are actually what I'm doing speaking you know so it's an amazing journey. So speaking of leadership what what do you think because we have a lot of leaders and business owners that that tune into our podcast, what do you think makes a good leader a successful or effective leader? That's
0: the million dollar question isn't it? it is. And and often I'll, I'll get tested, quotation marks, when I go in to meet a new team for the first time and they kind of ask me this question, which is really interesting, to see if I'm you know, up to date with the latest yeah. management yeah. consulting and psychology um, thinking. But I'm going to say something that might surprise people, and that is there is no one way. Yeah, I agree. You know, right. I, I don't think there is one way. My, my true belief and what I tell my clients is there is only your way. And you've got to figure out what that is. What is your unique way of being you Mm -hmm. and showing up and find a way to lead with who you are, not what you know, Yeah, because the world has changed. And these days it is about knowing what your gifts are, accessing them and using all of them to actually lead to your full potential and lead in a way that is authentically and uniquely you. And let's face it, when I say that to people, it terrifies them. Yeah, because there's that whole, now what do
1: I do? I've got to own this. That's right.
0: I've got to own it. I can't hide behind yes. all of my masks. I can't behind, hide behind the mask of mastery, which yes. is you know, tech, technical capabilities. Mm. I have to show up as me, open up that kimono, flash my words and say, "Hey, world! Yeah, here I am. Yeah, what do you think?" And hope that they don't run. <laughs> oh,
1: awesome. I I absolutely love that, and my whole philosophy is around that too. And I I think people get a bit overwhelmed. I i not I don't always I, my passion out of work is cooking, like big time. Yeah, and I only got to watch a few Master Chef seasons. Uh, This year, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I saw them when they got given eight ingredients and they nailed it. And then when they got the open pantry, they were lost. And I just thought of that as a bit of an analogy around, you know, don't follow a known way or a repeated way, find your own way. And you've got to stretch yourself and get out of your comfort zone.
0: Oh, 100%. And I I absolutely love that analogy, Renee. And that's the case. And that's why, I mean, that looking at that open pantry <laughs> is really what's creating mm-hmm. uh, in- extraordinary fear-based responses. And this belief from a lot of leaders and a lot of teams and a lot of people at work and in life that I can't do this. I look at it and I call it the peanut butter um, the peanut butter jar syndrome where, you know, when you're looking for the peanut butter, you go into the pantry and you're thinking, where's the freaking peanut butter? I want to make a sandwich and I come Well. Mm-hmm. And someone comes open to you, over to you and says, it's right there. Mm. Right? We get overwhelmed in these moments when yep. we're confronted by too many choices, the unknown, complexity, you know, rate of change, everything going on in our yeah. world right now. Yep. To the point where we become immobilised and blind to mm. what's in front of us mm. and also our own capability to make good decisions. In those moments, so yeah, I call it the peanut butter syndrome. I think uh, I see it all the time.
1: I love that it ties in with my food analogy. I think we'll have to do a the food analogy book.
0: I think so (laughs) because I love cooking too. Love it, absolutely love
1: it. But it is it's um. And how are you finding like post pandemic? I mean, last year we were back, especially you know I'm based in Melbourne back out, you know, in the real world, so to speak, but this year I'm noticing people are really back out. Mm. How do you, you know, what are you seeing out there and what are some strategies because, you know, there's still this uncertainty?
0: Yeah, I guess there's like two two parts to that in the way I'll answer it. The first thing I'll say to you is what I'm seeing is that uh, there's a default to go back to what we know. Yeah. People are still making the the mistake or leaders are still making the mistake of reaching into their existing toolkit to talk for tomorrow with the same logic that they used before and wondering why it's not working. So -hmm. that's the first thing I'm seeing that's happening that's not really helping. The second thing is that they haven't really grasped the fact that going through a global pandemic has changed people's priorities and needs in the workplace to the place where employees want to feel cared for. They want empathy. They want connection. Yeah. They want to feel like they matter. And if you go back to old ways again of making tasks the priority and not making people first and foremost top of mind and not driving a human-centred culture then people are going to leave, so hello, so second. Third thing I'll say to you around this is that I loved COVID. Now, let me repeat this. I loved COVID. Why? I loved COVID because irrespective of the terrors associated with it, it showed humanity how resilient and how capable they are and how flexible and ambidextrous they are. And my fear is that we go back to the default of fear. Yeah. We don't remember everything that we are and what we became and what we're capable of mm-hmm. as a result of the forcing function in terms of our own evolution that COVID provided. Yeah.
1: It's it's amazing. I, I think, you know, at the start I couldn't see the gift in COVID and I was writing the gift mindset. <laughs> then I was like, you know what, there is a gift in this. And yeah. I agree with you. I think people are going back to deeper core values. Um, and I always say now the world has changed and so have we. So yeah. if going back to the past, I always say we're in a next normal, not a new normal because it's always new but a next normal. Um, and I think you're right. A lot of people have come back, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to do this and I'm going to get balance and, and then it's just all gone down the drain. And I think now with the, you know, the mental health epidemic that it's real, you know, we're, we're one of the highest per capita in the world for mental illness. I think people have sort of opened this gateway to feel to really feel it, lean into themselves, and stuff's come out that was maybe suppressed before.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I think you know, in my book, I talk a lot about you know the bigger issues around you know declining mental health and the pandemic, the other pandemics in life that you know COVID's mm. just one of them. Yeah. right? you and I both know this, and as a as a as an organizational psychologist, mental health person, you know it's yeah. huge. Yeah, and so a big part of my focus on <laughs> even writing Unreasonable Ambition, was how do I help leaders and people Mm. build their mindsets so that we can actually start to develop collective resilience at scale? So this is the first of two books that I'm writing. The second book will be more teams-based. But it's start with yourself Mm. and make sure that you're building your ability to be able to weather any storm in life yeah. It starts with you, so you've got to do the work first, right, and you know right. this. But it is a response to the world becoming more and more uh, wounded. Mm. And right. so how do we truly start to make a difference? And why are all the mental health strategies and all that not working? Well, we've got to go back and start with with I. Yes, you know. spot on, um, and so I think that's a big part of it, big part of the impetus as well. And and in organisational life, how do we build that at scale? Yeah. But you're right. It
1: starts with the leader. I I, I have a bit of a mantra: people before process, before progress. Yes. And okay. I, you can feel it when you walk into a place, and they're like, "We're all about the people," but they're not.
0: And they're I not they're going.
1: Not. You're right. Going back to the leader because whatever they do has a cascade effect on the organizational culture. Um, and yeah, I love one of your quotes you sent me, and so resonates with me. Stop running from the storm; be the storm. Oh,
0: love that. Thank you. Yeah. So, so with that, you know, this is this piece around a couple of things. One. You need to build. Get get ready. Leaders need to build themselves for the storm. Right yeah, there are yeah. and, and there are many storms in life. You know, there. You, in fact, we get on. We, we're in the middle of an onslaught all the time. That's right. But, but we have to remember what we're capable of and our ability to actually handle it. I mean, you ask any person uh, what they've been through already in life, and they'll give you a list of trials and tribulations. We've all yeah. gone through stuff, but yeah. for some reason. We take something like, you know, tomorrow, the landscape of tomorrow and business and how frenetic it is, and we behave as if we haven't been here before. And we have. We have. Yeah, totally. why are we reacting like we haven't? What the hell? Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't get it. And so a big part of the book is a reminder to say, get yourself built for the storm, know that you are, Yeah, and go and do it. Go and do it. And I almost had this image in my mind when I wrote that quote. I don't know if you 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 might not admit to it, Renee. Uh, There's the Marvel series of of movies and comics, and there's a character called Doctor Strange. I don't know. No, no, no. Okay, so Doctor Strange has this extraordinary ability to actually um, master the elements. Shoots up into the air and mastered the wind, the storm, the sun, the rain, Has this, you know, with his arms and there's all mm-hmm. these lightning bolts and so on. And I talk about the fact that we can actually build the skills and tools and mindsets to bend the world to us.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: If you know what to do, just like Dr. Strange. And so mm-hmm. in the book, there are eight techniques or lists yes. that I blow up. That say, I know you've probably been told this, but actually, here's the reality of it. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people making a lot of money with rubbish, oh, yeah. and fear mongering, and that's I really, I really have an issue with that. We, yeah. We're, you know, we're working it doesn't
1: solve, that. It doesn't solve anything. It's it doesn't solve making it. It's actually making it worse, a bigger problem than it is.
0: Correct. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, yeah. So. That's a big part in the adaptive challenges around, you know, and it's and a lot of people that have read the book thus far have told me that it's made them uncomfortable. They've had these moments where they felt really uncomfortable, they felt ripped off. Why hasn't anyone told me this before? And yeah. then thank you so much for telling me this. Amazing. Now I'm ready.
1: Yeah. Oh, this book is going to be such a great resource. Like I I wanted to ask you, where did the title come from? Yeah,
0: Uh, interesting. Yeah, interesting that one. Um, So the title came after I'd already started writing the book for six months, and you know it's one of those things of going back and forth. The first iteration of the book was "The Future Is Human," maybe (laughs) because you know we are facing such existential threats as a race. Yeah. Yeah. And then I thought about, well, what am I saying really? What I'm saying is that to be able to solve for these big hairy challenges of modern life have to be ambitious. And my definition of ambitious is ambition for more than I, ambitions that are responding to a higher calling, Mm -hmm. that are beyond just myself, that want to move the world forward, particularly for leaders, to purpose and drive Mm -hmm. and bigger societal challenges. And then unreasonable in the fact that, you know, because the challenges of tomorrow are so big, I'm not sure that it's a time to be reasonable, is it? It's a time to be thinking big and beyond, challenging ourselves, stretching our imaginations, being renegades. Yeah. Thinking differently and yeah. being prepared to blow up everything we've always thought and known and ourselves, yeah, to evolve beyond we think is what we think is possible. And that's why it's Unreasonable ambition i love it the ambition for the future
1: yeah amazing and it is it's sort of letting go of what we've known i probably know our our whole branding's around limitless leaders um and people go what's that and it's learning unlearning relearning and evolving that's that's what a limitless leader is and you're right we have to not reinvent ourselves but take ownership not just accountability I love in your book at the start, I love manifestos. So when I opened it, I was like, oh, I love this. And it's a beautiful manifesto. I won't read it all, but I love this bit around energised by unreasonably ambitious agendas, we are first to lead into the unknown, making it safe for others to follow. That really resonated. So important.
0: Thank you, and I think that's the role of the leader, isn't it? Yeah, it is. is isn't that your role? As if you choose mm. to take up the leadership mantle, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: you know, it's which is so onerous, then be prepared to do what you need to do. Yeah, and I wanted this book for the leaders that pick it up. I wanted them to build their courage and confidence, mm. and to really affect their own preparedness, readiness, and willingness to truly lead and know what it's going to take and say, am I up for it or not? Because if I'm not, then and maybe I should I think about doing something else.
1: And I was going to, that was my next question. I've, I've had a few clients of late that have gone, you know what, Renee, it's not for me. I want to go back to being a brand manager without a team, or I want to go back to leading national accounts without a sales team. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, I always say the a leader's role is to grow future leaders. Correct. That to me isn't isn't an end, uh, isn't an or. It's an end in you know in relation to what they're doing.
0: Um, it doesn't come naturally, does it, Renee? To everybody. I not, mean, I even and I'm going to not going to mention names, but even working with you know some extraordinarily well known um, <laughs> businesses and CEOs over the last two decades, I can honestly count on two hands. Yep, How many of them? truly understand Mm. that people have got to come first, like truly, and that make it a priority versus tactical, strategy, operational. They don't understand the difference. No, no. It's not a language that is natural. And so a lot of the work is how do we, you know, how do I help them to default to it? Yeah. Because it just isn't their natural position. And then when they're under pressure, they it's do. worse. Yeah. It's and it worse. becomes amplified. Correct. Yeah. It's amplified. That that lack of natural uh uh leaning towards human mm. is is amplified and, and it's it's a real issue it, and it continues to be one, even when I run retreats and I try to get uh, leadership teams and CEOs to work get their teams working mm. better and evolving they always go for oh no I'd rather this be about strategy and performance update it's but your spatter- people don't get along your people aren't working well they're fighting you know stop sweeping mm. it up let's deal with the hard yakka which is the
1: dynamics that's right because you can't you can have the best strategy, you can have the best vision, mission, value stuck on the wall on a mug if the people aren't cohesive. And, look, I, I totally agree with that and I think it even goes back a bit to, with you know, leaders, I do a lot of work on this around being a human being, not a human doing. And I think strategy, all the operational things are a great way for leaders to hide. And I'm not Absolutely. saying it's all like this. What, what I absolutely love about your book is I'm a big believer that of three-dimensional leadership. So we're all leaders of self, leaders of decisions, and maybe leaders of teams. And I know there's someone I'm coaching at the moment that I'm going to get this give this book to. She doesn't have a team, but she's a leader of self. So if you're listening right now and you don't have a team and think this isn't relevant to you, it is because if you start Adopting the this the, the you know some of these tools and insights, I think you can really build your self leadership. That when you are leading people, it's a flow on.
0: That's interesting, isn't it, Renee? Because I agree with you. I have a bit of an issue with people saying <laughs> to me, "I'm not a leader because I don't lead a team," and I think that's absolute rubbish. Yeah, I think that everyone is a leader. This notion of personal leadership and yeah. And it's almost a cop-out when people say that. I'm going to be honest. Oh, I think yes. that every time you interact with another human being, mm-hmm. you have an opportunity to leave an impression, leave a legacy, make an imprint. What's yes. it going to be? Mm. What's it going to be? Irrespective of, of reporting lines. Yeah. that is it's so antiquated that thinking. Yeah. You are still making oppression and leading that person in that moment and, and making um and influencing that person. It's why when I do strategy for organizations, so I do a lot of business strategy, I'll say, I've got the hierarchy in the room, but where are your influencers? Yeah. I need them in the room as well. Doesn't matter if they have a team on. I don't care. Get them in the room. Let's and you actually get a more upfront answer.
1: I mean, we we run things to graduates. They don't have teams. Some of them don't even have a job yet. So a lot of you know, I think a lot of the enablers and the things, you know, to to lead and lead your life, you need to be leading yourself first. Absolutely.
0: That's why I wrote this, the first book is self. Yeah. self. there's absolute relevance to teams and organisational leadership, but it's self first, next book is teams. Yeah.
1: I am in your book. I loved, and there's lots in there. I took some notes, but Something that really I loved was the layout and also, you know, you had motivation, you had mantra, you had mindset as some key ones that I just went, yep, yep, yep. What if there's a leader out there right now, what are three practical tips you could give them or insights, just really top line that they could actually bring to life?
0: Yeah, sure. So if we go through the three, I'll give one for each of those interventions that would make sense. So if we're starting with um, motivation is, you know, uh, what's your, what drives you? What's your drive? Where mm-hmm. does your drive come from? What gives you energy? So you've got to start by answering the question around know what drives you. What is it? What's your ambition, right? What's your ambition? And then the mantra is you've got to be compelled to care about something that is bigger than yourself. You know, what is it that that gets you up in the morning? Yeah. What is your purpose? So what's your drive, your ambition, what's your purpose? Why are you here? What yeah. does the world need from you? Mm. I always ask people that. And often they say, well, how do I figure that out? Well, lots of ways, but one is what is it that you can talk about for 20 minutes without stopping? Yeah, spot on. Let's start there. What's You know, what is what is that thing? Mm. That's usually a pretty good indication. Yeah. Uh, and then also looking at your values as well, right? That's- like what do yes. I stand for? That what, what's my what's my guiding star? Yes. So guiding star, what drives me? Values, and then what does the world need from me? Second, which is mantra, and then the third piece is mindset. How ready am I? Do I know what my gifts are? Can I access them? Do I execute? Yeah. Or is there something stopping me? So the mindset is the is the third part. And then the fourth part is obviously momentum, which is all yeah. about okay making it happen. You know, I talk about in the book. I have worked with all kinds, everything from child prodigies to billionaires. And there's a reason why I've often come across child prodigies, geniuses flipping burgers for a living. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Is this is normal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. Right. And someone with mediocre uh, cognitive functioning who's a who's a billionaire. Why? Mm. What's the difference? The difference is application. Yep. Not enough to have the gifts, not enough to access them if you don't use everything that God gave you, mm. right? Mm. So that, that execution is critical. And I talk a lot in the book around, you know, creativity and discipline, yep. ideas, execution. The yep. two have got to go in parallel to be able to enable you to achieve and to create the life that you want, which is in your hands. It's up That's to you. Right.
1: Yep. I love, absolutely love that. And there's some really, I love practical things that people can take away and, you know, bring to life. And I think it comes back to knowing is one thing, doing is where the magic is, right, and aligning those things and even values. Um, Vanessa, we do a lot of work on that, but around your personal values, you know, versus where you're working, do they align? If you work for yourself, you know, do you know what your values are because they're the linchpin to every decision you make and and like you said, what you do and what you don't stand for. Um, the motivation bit I love, um, my mantra in life is do do what lights you up. Yes. So I've got a tool that maps that. So don't do what you're good at. Do what you're good at that you enjoy. And when I read that chapter in your book, it was all about that because at the end of the day people management and leadership, I'm not saying it's not easy but if you love it and you're doing it for the right reason, that's the only way I believe you'll be fulfilled, happy and actually effective.
0: Oh, absolutely and yeah. there is a difference. You know, I'm, for example, I'm great at statistics and keep that secret. I'm uh, great at stats. i remember, remember that. that. <laughs> Uh, and I even had a colleague in Melbourne who asked me to validate a new tool she was putting out into the market, and I did it. Yeah. Uh, do I love doing it? No, I can't stand it. But Am you're I good at it? I'm really yeah. good at it. No, does it light me up? No, it doesn't. And so I don't choose to do that work. Right. So just because you're good at something, Spot no, on. you can do it. No, I agree with
1: that. And and you probably have done it because, you know, the outcome of it will be providing data for clients. So there's an outcome. But, yeah, I always say, you know, there's there's good, great, amazing. Don't just do what's good, you know, outsource that, do what's great, step into your power. Um, we, we have a bit of a, or something I live by is the gift mindset, which is being open to unwrapping the gifts. So the gifts are lessons in challenging people and situations and positive people and situations. So we call challenging people Chris Kringles. You ask for perfume, you get socks. Um, challenging situations are pass the parcel. You don't know what you're going to get, so the pandemic. And we work through those and distill them down to the 12 key soft skills or gifts, which you mentioned, connection, um, curiosity, empathy, all of those sorts of things. What would be, what's something, an experience you've had, good or bad, doesn't matter. We don't need, you don't need to go too deep, but what's something that's happened that has taught you a lesson that you use to continue to progress yourself forward?
0: Um, I'd say probably a self worth lesson for me, I Mm. think. And it's in the book as well, where. A pivotal moment in my life Um, so I had kind of very challenging and shaky life circumstances as a kid uh, and very challenged that that really challenged my self-esteem and who I am and Mm -hmm. you know it was really interesting I'll just go back in writing this book it was precipitated by a question by one of my mentees who said how is it that you go and work with all these very um you know very educated and well-known people and you're not afraid how do you do it? How do you hold your own, you know? Yeah. Um, and it goes back to a, it's self-worth, really. It's having yeah. unshakable self-belief. And how is it that I have that or what is the moment is um, my, grand, my great grandmother uh, moment when I was uh, 14 years of age going to the high school ball. Yeah, and it was the first time I'd gotten really dressed up, and I was walking to her house, and there was this guy, this bum, on a on a on the bus stop, who started hurling abuse at me, and he said I looked ugly, and nobody's going to dance with you, oh. and what what you know really awful, and so I arrived at her house absolutely sobbing, you know, great grandmother, and she said, darling, she says, why are you crying? And I said because the man told me I was ugly. And she said, "How is this man? And I said, oh, I, I don't know. He was a guy at the bus stop. Yeah. She said to me this one-liner, she said, darling, she said, why would you listen to the words of a man with dirty feet? I love that. And, yeah. I mean, penny drop. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, I always run by that is why, why are you better than I am? How dare you t- try to yeah. take away my power? Yeah. Who the hell are you to tell me? Yeah, And I've lived with that. And that's what enables me to go into these meetings. That is what enables me to do what I do is to say, I don't have the same gifts as you, but you need my gifts. Mm. So I lead with my gifts. I don't have to know about carbon capture sequestration. No. no, no. Or metal matrix composite reinforcement using the boundary element method. I don't need to know about that. It's good that you do. Yeah. But you need what I've got. Yeah. So I hold my head up and I bring what I've got and yeah. I can help you with yeah. what I've got. Yeah. You what have strong that, con- What does that mean
1: to you? Yeah, it's strong conviction and and almost I can feel your passion around they need what you're sharing, right? They do. And I think that's having that conviction and I always say no one is you and and that guy that said that thing, it's a bit like feedback. You don't take it on board if you don't respect the person right? And one of your quotes goes a bit into that around, trust yourself, even if it means standing alone, your tribe will eventually find you. And it's so true, all of us. I mean, a lot of people that listen to this have their own business and we evolve. We're continually evolving and the right people show up when they're supposed to.
0: I think so, Renee. And I think when you you decide to be a leader, you also decide to put a target on your back. Yeah, that's and that's and I think the the mark of being unreasonably ambitious is that knowing that you do it anyway, because yeah. it's stronger than you are. It's just who you are. It's not something that you you go, yep, yeah, I know, and I'm gonna do it anyway. It's like when I wrote my first book, Bitch Fight, which yeah. is highly controversial. Um, I could I didn't care. I wrote it anyway, even though I knew that I could potentially get voted off the island by other women in, in leadership roles. But you know what? I actually didn't. No. Um, and so I think when you take up the mantle, you say, I'm I'm here. And and it's people often ask me, how do you go on TV and do all this stuff yeah, yeah. and not get frightened as well? And it's because it's not about me. Um. I don't go on TV and comment on topics as me. I've got an opinion. You're the I conduit share. to sharing your message. I'm sharing my message. If you don't agree, that's fine. Yeah. But I'm I'm gonna share with you what I've got, what I think. And if it's helpful, then you know what, there's value. Yeah. Uh, it's never about many. No. About- no. And people and, and
1: people that think it is, it's because they make things about them. And I just thought, then you know, I know back in Mars days, you know, hags, bear big hairy, yeah, big hairy, goals. audacious goals, love it. You have to be big hairy and audacious to to actually achieve those goals, and that's what this book's all about. So it's an absolute treasure trove. Um, thank you for bringing this into the world because I think it'll be a much better place.
0: Thank you so much. I so.
1: so if people want
0: to find
1: this book, where do they find it, and how do they
0: find you? Yeah, so it, the book is everywhere. You can look on all uh, book sites in bookstores, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobe, Boffins, Angus & Robertson, so it's available everywhere. Audiobook coming out at the end of the year. Excellent. If you want to find me, Vanessa Vershaw on linkedin.com yep. uh, is the best way to, to find me. I'm about to change my website, uh, but always would love uh, any reviews or commentary or thoughts on the book, DM yes. me. Then let me know what you think. We're trying to start a movement here, and you know, it's much bigger than we are, and that's what this book is about trying to help the world move forward uh, together because it's going Honest. to take us. So, absolutely yeah, love you. it. And
1: we'll have all those um, links in the show notes so you can pop on to those. My quick four little questions of trivia, and we might have to do a part two. I'm thinking, Vanessa. <laughs> What's your favourite word? Pompelmo. Uh, Which it is?
0: grapefruit in Italian.
1: Yeah, it's such a cute word, isn't it?
0: It's that fills your is, mouth. It's
1: <laughs> like my, my next dog, I might call it that. Pompelmo. <laughs> Pompelmo and schnitzel. Um, yeah, I
0: like schnitzel too. <laughs> Love it.
1: Well, I've thought if I ever get two dogs again, Osso and Bucco. Oh, yeah. Like schnitzel oh, well, like, chips.
0: Yeah, yeah. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, the rain falling yeah. outside when you're sleeping in bed at night. I love storms and Beautiful. rain. Your last yes. meal. Last meal, oh, my goodness. Pasta, pizza, provolone, truffle. Or peas. Honey, you know, you know, <laughs> pardon me? All peas. All peas and uh, anything with custard in it. Yum. I'm a custard fanatic when I eat. I'm lactose intolerant, so I've got to pop the lactase pills, but I oh. love custard. But it's worth it.
1: And if you, what profession, other than what you're doing, would you attempt?
0: Oh, um, designer, easy, yeah. interior designer. I, I do it anyway for fun. Yeah. yeah, And I've done a few people's houses, but definitely uh, architect, interior designer. I started off in life actually wanting to be a paediatrician and... And then um, had the grades and got into medicine and realised I have a, I passed out the side of blood. Oh. So I couldn't do that. That was my number one. Yeah. Um, But the other one's definitely, and I might still, uh, interior designer in my retirement for sure. That's what I'm looking at. Amazing. Amazing.
1: I always say, you know, have your passion projects and the things that light you up and, you're very lit up and, you know, what you're doing, this is where you're meant to be right now. So I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Thank you, Renee. Grazie bellissima. It's been an absolute pleasure. Merci beaucoup.
1: And those of you listening, don't forget to grab your copy of Unreasonable Ambition by Vanessa Vershaw. Um, Love your comments. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give it a five-star rating and share your feedback. And as always, open to suggestions for guests. Just something coming up when you listen to this podcast, we've launched our corporate one-day cook and connect retreats. Um, So you can jump on our website and have a look. But it's one-day Yarra Valley Italian cooking class, walking meditation, share a beautiful meal, and then an afternoon of immersive workshops, on reflection, connection and strategies to re-energise. So we're running these for groups of 12 in corporate. So we'd love to hear from you. Thank you from wherever you are chiming in and have a great day or night.
0: You've been listening to Limitless Leaders Podcast, leading from the inside out to develop limitless self-leadership, leaders, teams, and organizations. To find out how you can accelerate your mindset, your communication, collaboration, and connection to become a limitless leader, sign up for our Limitless Leaders Podcast Series at www.ReneeJeruso.com forward slash podcast series. That's www.ReneeJeruso.com forward slash podcast series.